everybody, this is Brian David Marshall. I'm here with Michael J. Flores at uh, Topic Magic. It's kind of a, I mean, just a pretty sad day. Yeah. Uh, a friend of the Topic Magic podcast and uh, really... Just a super, friend. Super close friend of, of, of Michael J.'s, uh, Charles Tunahua. Big, pretty, kind of like, underappreciated figure in the history of the Yeah, over the weekend. He, uh, he had a sudden, unexpected heart attack playing basketball. Um, so, it's crazy. We, uh, Brian and I got an email this morning and, you know, I, we've talked to a bunch of friends and pretty much everyone's in disbelief. So, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, kind of, uh, part of it is just like, he's just like one of the super, like, I, I, you know, everyone always says a nice guy. Yeah. I mean, like, but it just, it feels like that just undersells him. It just, I mean, he, he is someone who, um, you know, uh, just, you know, really, really brought out the best in the people around him. And, yeah, I and, think and that radiated be... sort of warmth and kindness. Yeah, and, I think that's a great way of saying. Uh, you know, it, it's really hard to explain. Uh, you know, I know certainly pushed you to be a, a better person. I think so. I mean, he helped me in a lot of ways, and you know, I think prob- I'm, I'm probably going to write something about him, and I think other people are in the next couple weeks. And I, I, I certainly hope Brooke North writes something about him. I know, I know, this was a, a really rough day for Brooke North. Oh, yeah. I worked with him at Salem, and um, I, I, I think some of some of the best, finest magic writing ever uh, came in the form of... Stuff Brooke did. Brooke did when he was in a uh, orbit with, with Tuna. With Tuna. So I, you guys probably don't know this. Oh, what did I do with the chair? Like, um, our CEO at the time thought it would be a good idea to take our in-house counsel, which is Brooke, and our comic reviewing guy, which is Dominic Ferson. Brooke, Brooke actually reached out to him today. Um, and <clears throat> none of us have talked to Don in years. Uh, and, uh, uh, this is, so, so just to backtrack, uh, this is at the Magic Dojo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like 13 years ago. So, you know, uh, the, the Magic Dojo was formed by, by Frank Kusumoto, uh, and was this sort of like, just... Was the magic site. It was the magic site. There was, was one. It was the magic site. It was just this place you went to every day. To, to see who was doing well and what decks were doing well and, and just listen to people sort of like hammer out the kind of lumpy theory of magic. Gathering. I mean, at one point the writing staff was like Dave Price, Chris Pakula, Jamie Wakefield, Gary Wise, Brian Hacker, uh, Zvi Moshowitz, Michael J. Florian, me, uh, you say Eric Taylor, Eric Taylor, Adrian Sullivan, uh, all at the same time. <laughs> Like Anthony Alonji. Yeah, John Schuler. All at the same time. Yeah, it was, uh, it was so, kind of insane. So, um and, and then the site changed hands. Uh Frank Frank, you know, realized that this was becoming a business. The site became a business, was bought by Asylum. Asylum, which was, was Rob Hahn and, and Yeah, so well Frank was a majority partner in the company. So oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, I think he owned like majority probably I think he owned like ten or Um and uh yeah, the, the company at the time couldn't, I don't think, could give Frank enough money that it was important to Frank, so sure. he got, um, yeah, anyway, um, and then, you know, we did a couple rounds of funding and got some fancy offices and went away three months later. <laughs> uh, yeah, eventually the company got sold to the Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, Rob actually became the general manager of the Sci-Fi Channel for a while, most people don't know that. Um, like for 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, and, um... Uh, 
but in the interim, uh, while we were just so independent, there was this project that, so Rob thought it would be this great idea. Is like, you know, we're not, you know, we want to grow in this really explosive way. How can we do that? So we did this sort of grass, grassroots idea where, so Don McPherson, who was writing on our comics side, we had a, we had a comics website, which actually got a fair amount of press. Um, and, and Brooke North was like our in-house counselor, so I don't know what he did. <laughs> business development. Uh, and Tuna, who was, I think he was doing business development at the time, and he put them all in a van, and they literally, they rode around the country to different comic shops and, and, uh, and uh, gaming stores and so forth, all around the country. Um, and they did deals, so like, everyone from like Astronauts in Trouble to DC Comics gave them thousands of dollars worth of like, graphic novels and Watsy gave them portal started portals and started yeah. and like they just went around the country and gave them away and it, was, it was actually uh, in a lot of ways I think the predecessor to free comic book day yeah I guess it would be we didn't I remember we we had deals with like Oni AIT Planet Lar Image DC and not Marvel <laughs> and not Marvel like Marvel was just like we're gonna take your phone call it was like I remember Tuna well, like, at, at, at the time to be fair yeah Marvel was so bankrupt. Yeah, <laughs> they like, had no prepaid. Like, like, yeah, just like they, it's like hard to imagine. Yeah. Given you know, like the billion dollar you know, Avengers had, juggernaut, yeah. you know, and, and everything that's gone around it. But like at the time, uh, man, my computer is like an outboard motor here. But we anyway, the thing is, we had so many uh, portal starter decks. Like at the, like, I, I made thousands of boxes, and they. So they keep shipping them out. They they spent months on the road, living in hotels and uh, just shipping out these uh, these awesome fun. And I remember like Tuna and Brooke would tell me later. He said, "Well, you know, if you show up to the, to the event, you know, usually there'd be an announcement. They might be in the local paper. They might be on the local TV station that that, that these guys were coming." I remember Tuna played in a they played in like a promotional tournament in Madison, Wisconsin. Looks like oh, asphalt action's coming. And Tuna lost in the finals for a Mox Ruby. To Bob Maher. He's just like, oh, I made it to the final. I, I had to play against Bob Maher. He got a box. Like, he needed the box ruby, right? Uh, it was like 15 minutes before Bob won a pro tour. So, uh, so anyway, um, so Brooke and Toon told me, they're just like, look, tons of, people, tons of people come to, like, the comic book store. You know, sometimes they have a low turnout, like, three people come up. And then sometimes there'd be, like, you know, dozens of people coming. And you know, they always had something to give them. But, like, you know, it'd be some kid, they're like, oh, here, kid, here's, like, a... Here's like a, some floppy came off the, <laughs> Scooby-Doo floppy, but it was like a cute girl would be like, here's like a Books of Magic <laughs> graphic novel. I mean, that's probably, I mean, while it's funny, it's actually probably correct operation. Yeah, yeah, but it's still a funny story, <laughs> so, um, but anyway, yeah, like, it's really unexpected. Um, I wrote something, I'm, I'm probably going to put it up, like, I'm just waiting for, you know, my wife's looking for pictures, and, and we dug up, uh an old ep of the Top 8 Magic podcast from 2006 that Tuna appeared on, um, uh, where he actually talked about this poem. I, I told this, my wife this story. She said, it's an inexplicable story. So. <laughs> it's like 1998. Um, it's really probably the best view that we don't even find that. <laughs> so, it, so um, it's 1998, and I uh, actually, there's just like girl, she's like a 10. I totally like her and stuff. And like, like one eye just pining over her for a while. And then eventually... And she's like bored with whatever. She asks me out. She asks me to go to dinner. She's like, oh, let me buy you dinner. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to be cool about this. Plus, there was a magic tournament that night. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? Some other time. <laughs> so, so just to set the stage, listeners at home, 
I know you think that there might be some girl who thinks, oh, this girl's kind of cute, but you know that she's not really that cute, right? This girl's actual a 10, and she asked me out, and I was bad at girls in 1998, like, effing bad. She says, let me buy you dinner. So instead I go to play Magic the Gathering, and I had, I think I probably had the highest rating in the city of Philadelphia at the time. So I went 03 at the local tournament, and to commemorate this event, Charles Fois writes the ballad of Life Flores and puts it on the internet. Like, it's a poem of how bad I am at striking out. You kind of went 03 at life, at like, really, if you, if, you, if you add it all up into, like, oh the, no. bigger, the bigger picture. The story's not over yet, right? So there's this guy who's like keeps, like, asking her out and stuff, and she's like, oh, this guy's, like, boring, whatever, I don't want to go out with him. So we go to the spring break the next week. So, like, I'm actually, it was badly timed from my perspective, because, like, now I'm going to be also away from her for a week. Um... And then, like, when I get back from spring break, she's just, like, basically married to this guy. <laughs> and, yeah, it was just... Yeah, that's, like, over-strategy, over-tactics, and over-operations. Yeah, yeah, I, I donated it, like, across the board. I mean, that was embarrassingly bad move. Uh, but, you know, who's to say? I mean, it's, it's fun. Like, I think the first time I ever got the third base with a girl, Tuna literally walked in <laughs> in the middle. It's like, hey, guys, and, like, obliviously falls asleep in the other bed. Like, <laughs> it's just... He was like there, like every moment of my life. It's uh it's a uh, impossible to. I actually, I actually, you guys are kind of inseparable in my in my yeah. memory. Um, you know, it was like uh, just, I mean, sp- specifically and and very ironically, as it as it kind of turns out in like the worst sense of irony. But like, you know, uh, at like the Jersey tournaments. Yeah. You know, I remember. I remember you guys. I remember. It's like, I have this, like, vivid memory of just, like, talking with you guys, and I, like, is this Chris Scroll thing good? <laughs> you know? Tuno's a good guy. He was, like, the sensei of the dojo for a while. He's an atrocious magic player. He makes the finals of a PTQ, and it's the end of Asphalt Action. He's, like, the last event they're going to do is uh, Grand Prix San Diego, which we were co-sponsoring. And Tuna's, like... I know we're supposed to be sponsoring this event, but fuck it, I'm going to play. Doesn't make day two. Uh, Dave Williams makes top eight. Uh, Huey wins, I think. But Tuna plays in the PTQ in the second day, and he makes the finals the PTQ. It's actually the top four. The top four is him, Aaron Muranaka, and then two guys we don't know. So Aaron Muranaka loses this guy who he, like, hates, and he gets, like... You know Aaron Muranaka, right? Yeah. yeah so uh, he gets, like, permanent stuff put on the guys, like... DCI record for being such a dickwad. Like, I've never seen, like, Aaron's, like, a really nice guy, so I've never seen him, like, vindictively get some guy. So Tuna's there, and he's got, like, a two-headed dragon in play. (laughs) And he loses it, I don't know. I was like, come on, Tuna. I love you, man. I I don't think, I think, uh, obviously you want people to play Magic to be nice, but I think Tuna might actually just been too nice. I just don't think he had the. Uh, there's a, a great story that uh, Donovan yeah. just got married this past weekend, uh, uh, and uh, he and, and Hashim was there, and uh, Hashim Bellow, and, and you know, you know, the, you know, someone who has like almost the reputation for not being the nicest guy. Hashim, I think that's very effective because I think Hashim's well, actually I, a really nice guy. Yeah, I, 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 I said it that way very specifically. Yeah. And, you know, he just told a story on our mailing list yeah. about, you know, like, we're, we're just like, I saw what you did, you're, you're not a jerk at all. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're actually a nice kid. He's like, get away from me. And he's like, fine, I'm going to get away. I'm going to go over there with Al Tran and tell him what a nice guy you are. 
you know. Um, but uh, but I mean I, I I mean like isn't like all the like spring forth my burly protector? Yeah, that's all our. I mean that was all. We, you know, me, me. I think of me, Alan Tuna, and then like Jeff, who didn't really play that much. But like, sure. it was like the four of us. We did like everything together back then. And then like you know, there's Young. Young was the one who sent us the, you yeah. know, and, and you know some other guys. You know, we hung out with like Dan Brady, Pat Johnson, Brian Schneider. We like they didn't all go to school with us, but yeah, um, we were. That was like all who we played with, you know, back yeah. then. And then it's crazy. He's younger than me. He was going to be his birthday on Saturday. Yeah, so. and. Random chance, but like there's actually an Edison tournament. An Edison tournament this weekend that that is on his birthday. So yes, I think I'm gonna go play in it. I, I was I was thinking about going anyway, and yeah. like, but I was like, yeah, maybe maybe not. Now now I just kind of feel like I don't know. I kind of gotta pour one out for 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 tuna. Yeah, but but if it's really for tuna, we gotta play some terrible deck. Oh, I, I mean that's, <laughs> that's I mean done. <laughs> I can't remember like the. First PTQ I ever win, you know? Tuna's young enough to be a junior at this point, so... Yeah, God, I mean... I, how old did he be, like, a junior? Like, 17 or something? So Tuna's young enough to play in the juniors. Yeah. So I guess I'm 19 at the time. Maybe I'm 18. It has to make sense that Tuna's old enough to go to college, though. I think he was 17. Yeah, sure. Um, he was from China. I don't know, maybe they go to school younger there or something. Um, so we play test the night before, and I want to play blue white because, like, back then I'm like, oh, I want to play blue white. Yeah, blue white's the deck for you're, smart you're, people. You're a smart guy. So and then I was just like, oh, why don't I try this necropotent? What was I thinking? So I just thrash everyone's deck with necropotence, and Tuna comes to the conclusion he's going to play the blue white deck. <laughs> so I win the PTQ the next day off with with uh, necropotence, and Tuna makes the top four or something with the blue white deck, and then doesn't qualify because he played the blue white deck. I just think all the times I was mean to him over, like, not doing well in a tournament. Like, getting far... Like, I was just thinking... Just talking to Brian earlier today. I remember this time, like, Tuna almost top-aided a cash tournament that when Brian used to be a tournament organizer. And, you know, he's like, XO. He wins the next round. Remember you guys would always reserve two spots in the top eight for vintage so, players? So, so we, we used to do these... Uh, before there were PTQs. This is, this is before there were, were PTQs. Before there was even a pro tour. Um, we used to... You know, we had... New York, great, uh, New York Magic. New York Magic, yeah. Right? And, and New Jersey Magic and East Coast Magic. And it eventually all became Grey Matter conventions. Uh, and we would run these $1,000 tournaments, which eventually became, where I guess they eventually became $1,000 tournaments, but at some point they were like Power 9 tournaments and they were set tournaments, whatever. So I remember, but, but the way, yeah, you would often have one concurrent with the PTQ. They, at, some point, top, at some point they were concurrent. I top-aided one in the same day that I won a PTQ once. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I mean, Eric Lauer that day won, like, three tournaments, though. Yeah. So, I mean, they were, like, these kind of big events. Like, the main event wouldn't even start till noon. Yeah. Right? You'd, there'd be, like, we wanted to make sure people had enough time to wake up. And, like, yeah, we, but we, there was, you have to understand, there was no Star City Opens back then. This this was the Star City Open, basically. You know, like, there was no... There were no There were no there was tournaments. No yeah, there was this, no was, this was the thing. I mean, this is, this is what, I mean, we... Uh... We, we kind of just were like, hey, let's run a tournament. That first tournament we ran, the first New York Magic tournament was a tournament for a set of legends. Yeah. No, for a set of Arabian Nights. The second set was for a set of legends. Who won that, Rob, huh? The legend set? I don't even think. I don't. Rob think won so. one of them early. That's why. Rob, that's how he got his reputation. He, he didn't, I don't know if he won one so much as he came and was writing about them. But, and then the, the, 
the and then at some point we were giving away like Power Nine, you know. Was the atta- I mean I don't know this was before my time. Was the attendance really good back then? <laughs> no. No, they were insane. The first tournament we ran for for the set of Arabian Nights had like several hundred people. It was like three hundred. It was like far beyond what we were. So three hundred people, and you're talking about a magic population that was one tenth of the magic population that we have today. Yeah. Not even right. The, the second tournament we ran had like which was for the set of Legends was like close to a thousand people. It was just absolutely unbelievable. It was actually bonkers. It was it was the most like insane day of my life, just in terms of being like bombarded with people. And then, but eventually, so didn't you hold the record for the largest attendance of a North American Grand Prix for Grand Prix Philadelphia? In I mean, we we set we set the attendance yeah. marks at, at multiple at multiple points. Um, but so we, we um, so at some point, you know, they they become power nine tournaments, and then they become thousand dollar tournaments, and, and then at some point, there's PTQs. I'm like, what are we gonna do with this? PTQ thing. <laughs> so we're like, okay. So the way the way our tournaments would work is you come you know, at the very first tournament we, we start ran, you'd play vintage, essentially. Yeah. There was nothing There's else. nothing else. It was right? just, it wasn't even called vintage yet. It was just play magic. <laughs> right? yeah. You know, the format was, hey, let's play magic. How many how many black lotuses do you no, have? No, no, no. It was it was there was there was, there was, there was the modern sort of deck construction yeah. rules and it was So one orchestra flame. Yeah, yeah, bang, crew cards were restricted and banned and um and then, uh, and then at some point, you know, we, we would run this thing, you know, there's this new thing called Type 2, right? And so we would, like, if you get knocked out, um, all the tournaments were uh, single one, <laughs> by the way. This is so awful. It seemed like it's a room of a thousand angry people. <laughs> no, no one was angry. Everyone was happy. Everyone, lo- they were just like, there was no place, to, there were no, there were no places to go play Magic, there was... This was like no one wanted to go home. No I, I wanted, remember playing some of those tournaments like back in the day, where like you don't know so, what we know of as strategy did not exist. Like I had, I had like a mono red player in lockdown with circle of protection red. If I win this match, I'm in the top eight. So I decide to jester's cap him, and he burns me out. But I mean, look, why would you just? Why would I play jester's cap? Like. Why is jester's cap in my deck? Why did I just try to cap a red player that I had to lock down my circle? The, the, most, mean, the most feared player in New York for a long time was this guy named Steve Jones, who, as feared as he was back in the day, was as unfeared yeah. <laughs> later in his career. But, like, I mean, it was, it was an awesome, you know, awesome I mean, guy, right? But, like, the reason he was feared is because he discovered that you could play, you know, uh, Neverall's Disc with... Uh, mistress factories. <laughs> he was like, "Hey, this is a this pretty is an nice, unbeatable combo. This is a pretty unbeatable combo. I'll blow everything up. I'll attack with my mistress, and then I'll play another. And yeah, you know, I mean, ma- magic was not what it is. So the, today, just to give you uh, some insight, like Worth Walpert met Chris Pakula in, in these tournaments, and that like kind of formed like the origin of Team Magic. Um, notable players were like Steve Oman, Steve OMS. John Finkels, Vimashowitz, that came up through these tournaments. Um, but anyway, there were eight players in the top eight, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, and the, so it was, there weren't even quite top eights yet at that point. So, you know, it was all single limb to one. And at some point what we did was we, we created our top eights would be, you would have single limb in these events, and they would all feed into... A finals. Yeah, right? it's so like it's like a sub tournament for a thousand dollars or whatever. Right, whatever. Right. It was like here's a sub tournament, and then at some point everyone's gonna play for a thousand dollars. So uh, 
And then, you know, we would have this PTQ and start playing this PTQ, win the PTQ, and then play in this tournament for a thousand dollars. So I was saying, so Eric Lauer won the one I, 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 I was in, but the thing that I was going to get to is, at some point you had eight players in the top eight, right? Yeah. And it was like, if you won the PTQ, two guys, the top two guys from the PTQ were two of the guys. Right. The top two guys from the sealed deck portion were, were two guys. The top two guys from the standard, you couldn't lose in standard, okay? Yeah. The top two guys in the standard portion were, the, the, the top two guys from vintage, and there could be, I remember John Schuler top eight once, where he looked around and he's like, I have a better chance playing Urnum Gin and Mistress Factory trying to win the vintage tournament than <laughs> playing in one of the other divisions. And he did. <laughs> he like, he's like, uh. um, so I, I just remember this one tournament where John decides to not play vintage once. And he's like, I'll just play standard. And Tuna's playing for his one of top two spots in the top eight. And in the last round he gets to play against John. But that's the, that, how brutal is that? You're like, he's like, you know, you're XO, and he, he he doesn't have a history of being great in match turns. He has a history of being a great person. Yeah. But not, you know, and then he's like, oh, John Finkel. That's who, that's, that's your end boss. Like, <laughs> uh, listen to this one. I once top eight in one of your tournaments in Edison. This was the top eight. Me, Paul Daddy Furker, those are the worst two players in the top eight. Yeah. John Chinnick, Justin Schneider, Brian Schneider, Mike Pistilnik, Steve OMS, John Finkel. So just a couple of Pro Tour winners. That was our, I mean, that was our top eight. I mean, like, I've been the worst player in the tournament, but Paul Danny Furker's, like, very, very consistently performing player of that era, always on the Pro Tour. So you, you, uh, so you have the Decade book on yeah. your Kindle or your whatever. And that you, it sells pretty well on Kindle. Yeah, and you, you, <laughs> you were to control F or whatever the equivalent, I don't even know it, I have no Kindle, I don't know. But like if you were to, you know, like, you know, just search for Tuna, Yeah. how many times do you think his name would pop up? Oh, I don't know. All of them? <laughs> like 10, 100? 500 times. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just pretty... I mean, I did, I did a, like, Tuna Hua or something, in, uh, and then did a Google search today, like, just limited to Star City Games, I wanted to see it. And he was like 50 hits. And then, and they weren't all from me, you know. It's so. just, a, it's just, a, it's just a, a, a pretty shitty day, and uh, you know, I think we're just gonna go, you know, play some magic and try to try to do right by him, and and, uh, and, and have fun, you know. Have fun. Well, I mean, that's what I mean by have right by him. Yeah, yeah. By do right by him, right? Is have fun. Catherine is saying to me, she's like, well, what would what would Tuna want you to do with the rest of your life? That's what he. That's what she said to me today, and I'm like. Thinking like Tuna was like a really like idealistic person in a way that you know I'm just totally not. Uh, but like he also believed things that I think like were, you know, uh, inconsistent with like thinking that you're going to live like an idealistic life. <laughs> I mean, like at the end of the day, like Tuna believed that who had the most money won. Like, you know? uh, so I don't know. Um, I, I, I said to her, I think he would want me to root for the Spurs, which I was going <laughs> to do anyway. Um, Tuna loved sports. Uh, yeah, you, you were talking about how, like, a lot of your, like, we talk about basketball on this podcast a lot, increasingly. Like, yeah, like, we were just unfettered by caring about, like, <laughs> you know. Well, what, yeah, what, Moto what, update. I've been playing nonstop Moto. We could talk about matching you. Oh. I played until 3 a.m. every night last week, I think. Yeah. Since I got up. Uh, but, oh, anyway, seriously. But I was just saying, like, you said he, like, really shaped a lot of your yeah, basketball I, beliefs. Right? So. Tuna taught me to evaluate based on... I mean, V later refined what I thought, you know? So, like, the reason that, like, I scoff at when people are like, oh, this is my opinion. I'm like, well, this, v is, this is what V taught me. 
I'm pretty sure whatever you think is not as good as what Zvi taught me. And if you look at how games actually bear out, what Zvi taught me is better than what you think. But Tuna basically sits me down, and I'm like, why is this guy... Why does Steve Nash win back-to-back MVPs? He only scores 17 points a game. That's what I said. He's like, well, let's do this. He's like, well, who do you think is the best player? I'm like, LeBron James, obviously. So, so he calls up, like, um, stats off of NBA.com, ESPN.com, whatever. He's like, let's look at these. And he's like, well, let's, let's factor this out. What's our actual production now? So Nash only scores 17 points a game, and LeBron scores 25 or something. Uh, and, uh, and I'm like, well, this 25 is bigger, bigger than 17. It's like, you know, LeBron also gets six rebounds and stuff. And he's like, well, let's look at this. He's like, but Nash has all these assists, you know, and his free throw percentage is 92%, you know, whatever it is. And he basically ultimately said their offensive production is actually identical, and Nash does it in half as many possessions. I'm like, whoa, possessions, what's that? So, and, and, you know, if you look at it like, oh, Kobe made the NBA first team again this year. He actually had one of the worst seasons that you can point to in recent history. Not just for Kobe, for a basketball player. Like, like he's like, oh, he scored 30 points again in like 60 shots. He, t- he takes half the shots on his team. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it totally refined how I think of basketball. And, yeah, so... We only have, like, another 15 minutes before I have to go, so let's talk about Magic, or Young Justice, we can talk about. That's right, that's well, I mean, like, what, what do you, what do you, uh, so you, if you're gonna, you want to go to Edison this weekend? Yeah. It's like on TCG 5.0 or something like that, or I don't even know, I don't even know what the tournament is, it's just kind of like, hey, I have a, you know, there's, there's, there's some event going on. What, what, it's standard, what are you, uh, yeah, everyone talking today on, on Twitter is just like, Ban Ponder, ban Manalik, ban ban Delver, ban all three, ban none of them. Bond, ban these cards. Those are all the cards I want to play. So that's good. Well, like, Patrick Chapin was actually talking about the idea of banning Ponder. Oh, I've not had the chance to read a Magic article today. Well, no, this was just this was just on Twitter, and like other people oh. were talking about banning Snapcaster. So, like, obviously, because you know people are just you know Delver took top spots at top six spots, top six spots at the Star City event, and yeah. Right, and he's, yeah, everyone's freaking out. I mean, I mean, Primeval Titan took six of the top spots the week before. Right? I mean, like, what percentage of decks have Birds of Paradise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, but just like in the light of all of this, you know, Primeval Titans and and, and, and Delvers and what what do what do you? I'm playing Delvers. Delver, <laughs> I mean, the the best cards I think are the best card is Delver. The second best card is Snapcaster Mage, and then Ponder and Vapor Snag. Man League. Man League. Or the, those are like the best cards in the format. By a fair margin, I think. I mean, Delver is so far better than every other card, and then Snapcaster Mage is like a firm second place, and then there's everything else. Um, you like you like Jerry's list? from? Uh, I'm playing Blue-Red, actually. Oh, interesting. So, okay. Not like Clocano's deck, like um, kind of a more streamlined, consistent build. Um, so all my cards cost one or two, except... Is this, is this uh, an existing list? A new no, list? no, I made it. It's a new list, so it's okay. like... So uh, it's just the list we one of the lists we talked about a million years ago when yeah, we so first saw in Delver. It's like so it's a <laughs> Ponder, Thought Scour, uh Gataxian Probe, so twelve cantrips. I had three pillars and one guy swim, but I think I'm just gonna play four pillars so I can free up a sideboard slot. Uh, so let's assume I do that. Um four bonfires. So bonfires oh, wow. yeah, so bonfire's really interesting. I think that I think of bonfire differently than other players who play don't who don't play four. To me, Bonfire is the card that blows out all the spirit tokens. Like, 
Its job is to kill all the spirit tokens. And so I can hard cast it for on three mana, and I'm happy to blow out all the spirit tokens. Because if you're playing Delver, you never lose. Unless your opponent clogs the board with spirit tokens, in which case they can block your Delver. So other players are like, oh, I'll play... I'll play uh, Corrosive Gale, right? That's my way to do it. This is the exact same thing as that, except for you don't kill your own Delver <laughs> in, uh, in doing that. And it, it's one-sided. And if you miracle it for four or five mana, great. Right. But its job is to kill all the spirit tokens. That's it. You know, you have four lands in play, you get a Geist. <laughs> You're like, boom, then you just you hit. So four bonfires, uh, Monolith, Ponder, Vapor. I mean, the best cards are like Snapcaster, Vapor Snag, you know, all, the, all those awesome cards. And then... Uh, so that's nine slots, and then two consecrated sphinx, twenty-two lands. Twenty-two lands. Twenty-two lands. Two consecrated sphinx. One of my. I'm, I'm glad you're honoring two and like this. I have twelve cantrips. No, it's an awful yeah. deck, is what I'm saying. That's awesome, an awesome deck. <laughs> uh, and I have one. No, an awful deck. One, uh, one cavern main and one cavern on the sideboard. So, uh, my uh, my big plan against control, you just never lose. You side in the zealous constructs of cavern of souls. You wait for them to get their Planeswalker almost ultimate, and then you cast it and destroy them. Yeah, that's the weird thing about Zealous Constructs. People don't seem to fully realize yet. Is His job is to be cast uncounterably and take their Planeswalker and ultimate them. You just take permanent, right? Yeah. You take a sword and equip it, and like, assuming you had a, a million mana. Right? I mean, like, a, a common play is, like, you're winning, and they go Gideon, right? And they're like, all your guys attack my Gideon, and you cast Zealous Conscripts and kill them. Or, like, you play, like, this resource management game where you actually let the opponent cast, like, a Primeval Titan, and then you, like, Vapor Snag it, or... Yeah. And then... Zealous Conscripting at Gideon has to be about... Yeah. The best feeling in the world for you, and about... They're dead. Yeah. The worst <laughs> feeling in the world for them. Yeah, that's nine. Uh, but, I mean, an Inferno Titan's even better. So, like, they go <laughs> Inferno Titan, they, they kill your Delver and your Snapcaster, and you're like, oh, I'm so sad. And you're like, okay... End of your turn, cast my other uh, Snapcaster Mage, and then, like, Thought Scour or something, so you have a guy in play. And then you go, Zealous Conscript, boom. So, and then they're dead, because an Inferno Titan is 12. Right. Um, and then if you have spare red mana, you can pump it. Uh, and um, I talked to Fernando this play, he's like, I would have never seen that play. So, one thing that you can do in this deck that you can't do in other decks that people just don't don't play these cards together, typically, is... I, I think Zealous Conscripts... Uh, Zealous Conscripts, uh... Cavern Souls is one of the most powerful ones you can do. I mean, it's obvious I've explained it to you that... What else would you ever want to do, right? It's inevitable. There's no way around it. You, have, you can have a point removal spell, and they, you still get blown out. Like, you can't really cast... What are you going to do? Cast a Titan? You're dead. Ultimate of Planeswalker? You're dead. Like, well, I mean, I mean, at the, at the first one, in, in, in Barcelona, like... It was it was amazing. Oh, the Gisela situation. Yeah, it was just it was just like completely warp games of magic around like you know yeah like, oh, I know he's got Gisela's conscripts and I can't play this Gisela right like there's just the thing is like you have information because you're playing a Gitaxian probe deck you're playing against control in game one right so you're winning winning oh wow and I then, didn't even think about the Gitaxian probe yeah there. so you're like it's just like, I've only really been thinking about it in the in the, in the context of block constructed yeah. so but like. Here's a, here's a really like here's a really common situation that comes up in game one. So you're winning, winning. You do a bunch of damage to your opponent, and then he like stabilizes the board with like a planeswalker or a wrath. So then you're just like, all right, switch gears. Just use my cantrips to manage my game. Get to seven lands, and then play play a consecrated sphinx with mana open. An uncount. You go. 
uh, you play Cavern, Sphinx, Uncountable, Consecrated, Sphinx, Go. So they draw a card, you draw two, and they're like, whatever, you're stupid, I hate you. Wrath of God, and you're like, alright, Vapor Snag, my Consecrated Sphinx. <laughs> After you're just drawn two, they're like, oh, that sucks. And you play your eighth land, Uncountable, Consecrated, Sphinx, Go. And how long do you think they can go through this? They probably don't have another way to deal with it, right? So, <laughs> like, you just, like, even though you only have one and two after sideboarding, your deck has 12 cantrips. You have, like, Snapcaster Mage Ponder. Like, you have uh, Evolving Wilds and, and Desolate Lighthouse. Like, you just set up the game you want, and then you, like, find these pieces, and then you play this, like, you can just play a better control game than most control decks. You have point removal, mana leaks, and uncounterable huge threats. Uh, you like it yet? I do, but I want you to add more land. But... I have a 23rd land in my side. Okay. Okay. Most, yeah, just point something out. Most Delver lists only play 21 land. Sure. I have 22 and an sure. extra one. And I have 12 cantrips, and most of them don't yeah, have 12. No, of course. So, um, and I have Lighthouse. I love Lighthouse. Yeah. It's good. Um, and then, let's see. Let's see. Those are all the most exciting things. You can only play three Sulphur Falls? No, I have the four. I mean, I have four Sulphur Falls, and I have four Evolving Wilds. Fran oh, I'm sorry. Kokano. <laughs> Frando's the next room. I get confused. Remember that time uh, Frando won a PTQ? An online PTQ and Kokano had won one earlier in the same season? And Frando's like, oh, I won a PTQ and I won another thing. Literally, it dragged me in list. I'm like, didn't you win one three weeks ago? <laughs> you know, do you remember who the first one to be like, no, that was Kokano? Do you remember who it was? It was Chris Pakula. And then you make fun of him. He's like, Mike knows. <laughs> it was a B. Um, yeah, so, that's uh, exciting. I, I like this deck a lot. It's exciting. Right, so, All the stuff I want to play with. So, so, what you're saying is, this is actually a good deck. I think it's a good deck. And yeah. I need to play the awful deck. What would be the awful deck? I don't know. Like the green version? <laughs> the same deck, but with Borderland Rangers and Huntmaster? Or like some, or some, or some, like, you know, Genesis Wave deck again, or... Um, I don't know. Why don't you just honor Tuna by playing Delver of Secrets? Just like Jerry's list or something. Just, I don't know. What, what, what do you want to be able to do? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't decided yet. I, I, I was, I was, you know, people, people would say that you know Jerry's deck is pretty ridiculous, and they should play some variation of that. I mean, it's good, right? Um, yeah, but I mean, like, it's not that innovative. Yeah. There, there I mean, are Delver decks like it before. I, you know, I'm, I'm not very good at Magic, so I really like Primeval Titan. If you're not very good at Magic, there's not much better than Miracling a Bonfire. Yeah. What's the rarity on that? Um, rare or mythic rare? Bonfire? Uh, I think it's... I think it's mythic rare. Yeah? I don't know. I, it's, uh, I'm trying to figure out the cards I need. I don't think I own any Delvers or, or, or Pillars of Flame. But those probably don't be too hard to get, right? Yeah, yeah. But, like, Bonfire I need... I actually own my own Snapcaster Mages, and I own four Sulphur Falls. So, um, got those in the, in the lock now. Yeah. If, you know, if, if you, if you know... Those of you who don't know, you know, Tuna, but like, are thinking, well, he sounds like a really nice guy, obviously Mike really cares about him, what can I do to, to honor Tuna? Brooke North started it. No! Well, well that's, that's a good one. I mean, yeah. that's the real answer. The yeah. joke I was going to make yeah. is, uh, concede to Mike. Oh, yeah, you should do that. <laughs> that would be awesome. That, that's the joke I was making. But yeah, the, the, the real thing that you could do that would be, that would be really sweet to, to honor uh, Tuna would be just, uh. His well, you you tell me. So his he uh his like card like that was like uh, was Tanawa, which is a mirage phasing card. It's like a seven seven phasing phasing serpent or something. Yeah. 
And because his nickname was Tuna, and his last name's Hua. So it's like Tuna Hua, Tana Hua, get it? So, I mean, so Brooke already made his uh, avatar on Facebook into Tana Hua. I'm going to go make all my avatars into Tana Hua. Probably everyone I know is going to do it now after this. Yeah. But, uh, so, if you see it, that's just someone who really cared about a, a, a really nice guy. And if you just want to, you want to do something nice, you could, you could do the same thing. But, uh, you know, and you, you linked to an old, uh, you know, if you want to hear what he sounded like or just want to, you know, you know, a little more about him, you can listen to the podcast that we had done with him in 2006 that Mike has linked to. 2006. Six years ago. Yeah, that's such a long time ago. And I'd known Tuna for 10 years at that point. You know, and, and just really in general. I mean, I, I, I you know, you, you were talking about, you know, I, I think that in general, like my, my experiences with him were always just like, he just always wanted people to do what they, they liked, made them happy. Uh, so, you know, wherever you are, if you're out there listening, you know, do something that makes you happy today and, and, and think of Mike and think of his, his good friend. Charles Strike out with a girl. <laughs> anyway, this is, uh, you know, Brian David Marshall, Michael J. Flores, thinking of Charles Tunahua for Topic Magic.